Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you today? You look good. You sound good. Listen, I uh, uh, normally, um, I'm, uh, when I come up in during worship, and uh, my mistake normally is I sing so strongly because I love worship is that I worry about what, what have you done to your voice when you get up there to preach. This morning, I backed out in both of our services this morning and just listened. And I just, you need to know how good you sounded. I don't mean just you sang wonderfully, but how good that must have sounded when God's children collectively were just singing to him, to their father. Man, what a great spirit of worship is in this place. I'm glad you're here. And can I just tell you something? Some of the folks that helped lead us in worship were not on the stage today. It is our high schoolers who just came off a of fall retreat, and they're right over here. And these guys are on fire. Our middle schoolers have their own service upstairs, but we are so excited about what God's doing in their lives and what he's done this weekend as well. Well, if you've got your Bibles, please take them and turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Um, we're continuing a series we began last week. We're talking about how to live in God's promises. The Bible tells us that there are over 7,000 promises in scriptures for you and for me. So the Question is not whether there are promises for us, it's how do we access those promises. And oftentimes in Scripture, the Bible will give us a picture or a depiction of who God is so it reflects his character in that. And one of the main depictions he gives of himself is that of a shepherd taking care of his sheep. Now, the problem is, in order to access the promises of a shepherd, you have to assume the position of sheep. And no one wants to be sheep because it requires us to humble ourselves and realize that we're not self-reliant, we're not self-made, but we're absolutely and totally dependent upon God and his power and his son and his spirit. And so today, I wanna to talk to you about as we humble ourselves and accept the premise that God is the shepherd of our lives and humble ourselves before him, that he gives us a promise of protection in our lives. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks, and the, flock, attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, and just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Before we pray, I just want you to know something. I love that passage where it says, I know my sheep, my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know him. So get this. God knows everything about you. Every good thing every bad thing, everything that you wake up and hope, I hope nobody finds out about this today in my life, every good thing and every bad thing. And then Jesus says, I know it all about you. And what I want to do is lay down my life for you because I'm the good shepherd and I love you that much. Today, I want to talk to you about how the good shepherd protects you and me. Let's pray. Lord, in these next few moments, be with us as you already have been with us in this service. I pray you anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth, but anoint our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them. Help us to intentionally apply these truths 
so that we may walk in the protection that you offer to each of us this great promise that we don't have to fear anything in this life. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for that. And in advance, we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you look at this passage, there's a couple of things that are very, very obvious really, really fast in this. And the first one is that the first one I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you're probably going to think, man, we're getting deep fast here. But it tells us right away that in our lives, there is a predator in our lives. It talks about a wolf and the wolf wanting to devour the sheep. There's a predator in your life. There's evil in this world, and every act of evil, every person of evil, all traces back to the spirit of, of, of evil, which is embodied by Satan himself, the devil, the Bible says. There is spiritual warfare that takes place over your life and in your life at all times. And you say, well, it's a little early in the sermon. I'm not really comfortable with that. You better get comfortable with this. It's the reality in which you live. There is a spiritual war for your soul, and the enemy of your soul wants to devour you. That's what Peter tells us. The apostle tells us, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, you may say, well, I really don't like that passage. Okay. You may say, well, pastor, I'm not important enough for the devil to worry about. Can I tell you? You don't have to be important for him to hate you. He hates you because you are made in the image of God. He hates you because God fearfully and wonderfully made you and created you to worship him and have a relationship with the Father. He hates you because of that. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anything in order for him to hate you. The word prowls there means he's actively hunting. That means with relentless energy, he is coming after you and me. And you say, I'm still not comfortable with this. I'm not telling you to be comfortable. I'm telling you to be aware. Because the enemy of your soul wants to draw you away from God, wants to divert you from your purpose, and wants to deprive you and destroy you literally and eternally. He doesn't want a bite of you. He wants to devour you. Now, that's the tough news. But Jesus also tells us in this passage that not only is there a predator you need to be aware of, but there is a protector in our life, and he is the protector. He is the good shepherd. Here's two things that are required of shepherds. The first one is, is they are to guard. They are to guard the sheep. And as they guard the sheep, here's what they do. A lot of times when sheep would lie down in the, the, the pastures, especially at night, they would go and find some place that had a natural ability to protect the sheep. So it could be where there was a wall of um, uh, mountains, and so you would back up where you're surrounded by three sides, and then you put a little bit of a barricade through rocks or other things, and then there would be an opening there where the sheep could come and go. The shepherd would literally lie down in the opening so the sheep would not get out and the predators would not get in. This is why Jesus later on, describing himself as the shepherd and them as sheep, he says, I am the door. It means he lies down. He's right there. He's guarding us. That is the responsibility of a good shepherd in this. Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 says, Christ is the head over every power and authority. So here's what I need you to know. I don't want you to apply Star Wars theology to this, okay? This is not good force, bad force, and hopefully good force wins out. There's not 
equal and opposing things here. There is the enemy of your soul and there is the victor over all things and his name is Jesus. And he's the head over every power and authority in your life. Psalm 23, which starts off with, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23 says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you know what a rod is for? Do you know what the rod is for? It's to hit things. It's to keep them away. It's to be aggressive with things. So why would the rod comfort the sheep? Because the shepherd doesn't hit the sheep. The shepherd hits the wolf. What's comforting is this, is almost exactly what Pastor Brett is reading. Is that not only is his grace and his love all abounding in me, but his justice will come and his protection comes because God is righteous in all things. Not only is he loving and kind, he's righteous and he guards my life and guards your life. Listen, I know you're capable. I know you're smart. I know you're strong. I know you're all of those things. Can I tell you something though? The wolf is not afraid of sheep, but he's terrified of the shepherd. A shepherd guards. And the second requirement of a shepherd is, is that they would give up their lives, be willing to give up their lives. Uh, you know, it talks about as opposing to a shepherd, some are just hired hands, and when trouble comes, they run off in that. I'm going to share some good news in a minute, but let me just share some news you need to be aware of, Okay. Most of the people in your lives are hired hands. They're with you, they're for you, as long as there's something mutually beneficial to them. As long as they get something out of that relationship, they are for you. But as soon as that ceases, they're not with you anymore. Not so with Jesus. He says, I'm not leaving you. I'm with you, and I'm going to protect you. I'll even give up my life for you. And as a matter of fact, he did that 2,000 years ago as we were in danger of being devoured by sin itself. Jesus Christ gave his life on a cross to pay for your sins and my sins and rose to new life so that you and I could have a new life and new abundant life here and eternal life to come. He's already given his life for you. And for the rest of eternity, he is there to protect you and keep you safe from harm. This is what shepherds do. And he says, I am the good shepherd. You know a lot of shepherds, he says, but I'm the good shepherd. Now, that doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. Bad things still happen. Jesus told us trouble's going to come. But what that means is even when the worst thing happens in my life, I'm safe in Jesus. Even in you face death, for the believer, they know that death is just a doorway into eternal life with him and that as they pass through that doorway, they are safely with him. I'm safe in Jesus. So I put my faith, my hope, my trust in that. I know that the last few years have been difficult on a lot of people and with a lot of the news cycles, Pastor Brett talked about this, the news cycles that are coming around, you can get worried and a little fearful about some of the things and frustrated how many of you are tired of seeing political ads on TV? Can I just see your hands? You know, after I watch TV for a little while, I have already just figured out if it was based on all of the ads that I see, everybody hates their mamas and they kill puppies, right? I mean, that's what's going on. You just get frustrated with all of that. But I want to give you some good news about how Jesus protects us from the, from the dangers of this world and from the attacks of the enemies. 
at the enemy of our soul. In Exodus, the book of Exodus, it's a story about when the people of God have been in Israel, I mean, have been in Egypt for 400 years. They're in bondage, they're in slavery, they are being mistreated, and God decides he's gonna bring them out. And when he brings them out, he chooses Moses as the one who's gonna lead them. He tells Moses, I want you to go and I want you to meet with the king of Egypt. I want you to tell Pharaoh that he's to let my people go. Pharaoh says, absolutely not, I'm not gonna let your people go. And so he says, if you don't let my people go, I'm going to convince you of that. And it's gonna be through these plagues that are gonna to happen to you. And so he tells him over and over again, and plagues begin to happen. And Pharaoh continues to refuse. And then Moses goes back, gives the word of the Lord to him. And in chapter eight, he tells him, he says, there is going to be a plague of flies, like gnats and flies like you have never imagined. And you think, oh, that's not much of a plague. Everywhere on everything, And he said, it's gonna torment you. But then here's the promise God makes in chapter eight, verse 22. As he's telling Pharaoh, he says, here's how you're gonna know I'm God. He says, on that day, I'll deal differently with with the land of Goshen. This is where his people live. Where my people live, no swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. Goshen is the place where the people of God lived. Ironically, they were despised by the Egyptians first and foremost because they hated shepherds. And so they decided to raise livestock there. Goshen literally means to draw near. The more you draw near to God, the safer you are in the hands of the good shepherd. As a matter of fact, security is a byproduct of intimacy with God. In 2016, a man named Sean Cunningham and his son, Landon, were uh, cheering on the Atlanta Braves um, in a, God rest their souls yesterday, right? I mean, you know, (sighs) if you like the Phillies, I don't want to talk to you today, right? (laughs) He was cheering on the Atlanta Braves. It was spring training in Orlando, and one of the batters took a swing, missed the ball, the, the bat flew out of his hand and flew into the crowd and it was in danger of, of, of hitting his son and someone captured this photo. You see the little boy right there? The bat's about to hit him and his father's arm is protecting him. I need you to stop looking at the guy with the incredible shirt on right above him, okay? <laughs> Look just below that guy. Made national news. This photo. I think the the most telling thing about this is the son is protected because he's right next to his father. If he's one seat over, he's not protected. This is the key with God. If you get distant from the shepherd, that's when life gets dangerous. But here's here's something I want you to, to know. The quality of your life is directly related to the proximity to the shepherd. The quality of your life is directly related to proximity to the shepherd. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you, for the next couple of moments, I want to give you three particular ways that God protects you. The good shepherd does. The first thing is this. He protects your mind. He protects your mind. Psalm 23, remember, it starts off with, the Lord is my shepherd. And in verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
That's such a strange passage that we don't even understand. But see, sheep attract flies. And flies are very much they're known for sheep. They will lay eggs, and if they're not careful, the eggs will then um, hatch and larva will get up into the sinus, the navel cavity and the sinuses of the sheep. And it will drive the sheep so crazy that they will literally go and beat their head against a tree or a rock trying to get some relief from all of the flies that are inside. I know that's nasty, I know. And so what the shepherd would do, he would take oil and he would rub it on their nose, around their eyes, and it serves as an insect repellent to protect their minds from the things that would try to get in there. Listen, this is what, this is what the psalmist is saying. You anoint my head with oil. When my enemies come against me, you anoint my head with oil. You protect me. You protect me when, when the enemy would come against me and try to tell me that I'm less than a child of God, would try to tell me that I'm, a, I'm the byproduct of all of the things I've done in the past when the Bible tells me I've been forgiven. When he tries to tell me lies, he protects my mind. And the way he protects my mind is by giving me peace. Philippians 4 and 7 says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, without God's peace, you're unguarded against the attacks. You're, you're unguarded against the thoughts that would come into your head. But with God's peace, he sets a guard around you. Now, I want to tell you something. God's peace is not a state of mind. That's not what it is at all. God's peace is a person. Ephesians 2 and 14 says, Christ himself is our peace. So he is our peace. And the Bible also tells us that Jesus Christ in John 14 is the word of John chapter 1, verse 14, that he's the word of God and that the word was among us. The word became flesh and lived among us. So peace is embodied in Jesus. Jesus tells us in John 14 when he's leaving that as he's leaving to go be with the Father, that he's going to leave with us the Holy Spirit who is going to be our comforter during those times. So here's the, here's the reality. If I want God's peace, I've got to know God's word. If Jesus is the word, the embodiment of the word, I've got to know his word. There was a study done for um, those who were about mental health, um, and it was um, uh, compared teens who lacked biblical um, belief system compared to those who had a solid foundation of a biblical belief system. And here's what they found. Those without a belief system based on the Bible were 216% more likely to be resentful than those who had a foundation. They were 210% more likely to lack purpose in life, 200% more likely to steal, 200% more likely to physically hurt someone, 300% more likely to use illegal drugs, and 600% more likely to attempt suicide. If you want emotional stability in your life, you need the word of God. Now, I want you to hear me clearly. I'm not against counselors, counseling, any of those things. Those are biblically solid and God brings people into our life. We have a counseling center here, okay? Listen to me. During the things we've been going through lately in my family, I've been seeing a counselor on something. I'm not against that. 
but a counselor is not a substitute to the word of God. Counseling is a supplement to the word of God. This has always been and always will be the foundation of those things. Get all the help that you need, but open up the word. It is there for you. And when you take this and you apply it and you begin to read, listen, if you lack peace, open up the word of God and access the key to peace. And that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and the word of God. And the Bible tells us that he protects our minds by giving us peace through Jesus Christ. But not only does he protect our minds, he protects our freedom. He wants to protect your freedom and my freedom. When you and I came to Christ, we were made free from sin, set free. We sang about it. You broke off my heavy chains, right? Set free. But that also is not denying that there is a continual war by the enemy to try to continually get you bound by something else. He'll do anything that he possibly can by any means necessary to somehow get any measure of bondage on you. Paul knew this. Paul writes to the Roman church and in uh, chap- Roman church in chapter 7 verse 21 he says, "I've discovered this principle of life that when I when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Paul saying, look, I'm saved, but I'm struggling. And maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you say, you know, I'm, I'm saved, but I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with jealousy or bitterness or addiction or lust or fill in the blank. I'm struggling. So what is the answer? Well, the word of God can bring peace and bring truth. It can bring wisdom. But there's also something else. You need the power of God in your life through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Paul actually answers his own question. Starting in chapter 8, verse 1, he says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Look at verse 2. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So I can receive God's power through his presence. So how do I access that? Take time every day to engage God's presence and pray continually. Now, many of you are listening to that statement and you're going, I don't know that I can do that. Engage God's presence every day. Pray continually. I think that, I think that we in the Christian church, to try to make, not palatable, but to try to make people engaging God's word I think we've tried to make things a little too easy. You know, just, just read one verse. Spend two minutes with Jesus a day. Listen, however long it takes you to get into the presence of God, you need to be in his presence every single day. You say, I don't know what that means. 
If that means you read a chapter and his word begins to speak life into you, that's what you read. If it's five verses and all of a sudden it just spills into your heart and you engage his presence in those moments. If you listen to worship music, it's not just about listening to worship music and going, yes, sing it for me. Sometimes you've got to say yes and amen. That is true. The words of that song are real. You've got to make it to the place where you say, I'm not leaving until I engage his presence. Now, you may have a certain time that you set off in the morning that you're going to do it, but you can't set Jesus as a checklist, okay? It's not wake up in the morning, drink 16 ounces of water, read my Bible, say a little prayer, go to the gym, go get to work, and that's not part of your checklist, This is a part of a relationship where you lean into who God is and actually try to engage his presence in your life. To be filled with the Spirit is a continual act that God is asking you to engage in. To pray continually is not that you have to get up in the morning at 6 o'clock and you pray till 6 in the morning the next day. It's an attitude of prayer. It's an attitude of realizing, I can't make it through this day without Jesus. I can't make the next decision without Jesus. I'm not going to be able to to take the next thing or encounter the next thing without Jesus. It's a realization that I am a sheep. He is a shepherd. With him, I am strong. Without him, I am weak. And so during your day, it literally is, oh God, help me. I'm about to have this encounter at work and it's not going to go well unless you're with me. Lord, help me hold my tongue. Lord, give me wisdom to make the right decision. Lord, help me to make the right decision over here. Help me to financially do what's right. Lord, give me the right words with my, with my kids and my teenagers. Teenagers, give me the right words with my parents today. You know what I mean? It's continually. It could be continual prayer. It could be micro prayers like, Lord, help me. Or it could be, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. And when you encounter someone and they tell you a heart-wrenching story about what they're facing, that you don't just pat them on the back and say, I'll be praying for you. That you pray for them on the spot and you walk away and you genuinely pray and intercede on their behalf. Pray continually. Make it a part of your life. You protect your freedom. If I want the fullness of his power, I can't treat God like the express lane at the supermarket. It's going to take time to build this relationship. Take the time. It's worth it. The third thing is this. is not only does it protect our mind, it protects our freedom. He'll protect your future. Anybody ever signed up for your um, neighborhood Facebook page? Giggles, yeah. I did that for about three weeks. I moved into what I thought was a very, very safe neighborhood. And then on this Facebook page, first of all, you know everybody's business. That's just weird. Second of all, what you thought was a safe neighborhood, it's like, oh, yeah, my lawnmower was stolen. Hey, I saw something weird over here. Oh, yeah, this was going on. And then it goes deeper. It's like, oh, yeah, two miles down the road, my buddy lives in this neighborhood. And, man, they had, they had an armed robbery over here. And you're like, I thought I lived in a safe place. Now I'm in a war zone. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know where I am. I mean, you've got apps that you can pull up all the crime in your neighborhood. You can, if you've got one of those ring doorbells, you can, all this stuff will come up. So you, you can almost be overwhelmed with some of that stuff. And you think, I don't think I want to know this. And yet, what's worse than knowing is for us, not knowing. Because not knowing means we fill in the blanks, right? 
You ever not know all of a story and so your mind just has to fill in the rest of it, whether it's accurate or not? That's what we do with our future because we can't see it. We don't know it. We try to fill in the blanks with our own minds and it drives us crazy and it makes us worry, not knowing not knowing if you're ever going to find the right person, not knowing what kind of world your kids are going to live in or inherit, not knowing whether you're going to have enough this month or for retirement. But you can't live with the fear of the future. And the good shepherd is one who protects your future. And he does it in two ways. He gives us a fresh perspective. The first one is this. Today's problem may be tomorrow's protection. Today's problem may be tomorrow's protection. You know, he brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. He brings them all the way up to the Red Sea. They can't go to the right or the left. They can't go forward. Pharaoh and his army are behind them. They're about to destroy them. And then God works a miracle where he parts the Red Sea and his people move across on dry land And the Egyptians try to follow them. And when the Israelites are out of the sea on the other side and the Egyptians are in the middle, God closes the waters in and protects them. This body of water looks different from each side. On this side, it looks like a problem. On that side, it looks like protection. It's a new perspective. Maybe the delay in your schedule. Maybe the kids made you late. You couldn't find your keys. The train stopped you. Maybe, just maybe, that was God protecting you. I had a lady stop me right after service, the first service, and she recounted a story about how frustrating she was trying to check out of a hotel, and they couldn't get one of the carts, and they had too much luggage to carry down. And it just took two, it took almost two hours to get checked out when they thought it would only take about an hour or so. So they were running way behind schedule. And as they're traveling home, they realize they're stopped in this traffic. And then they they find out that there's a 20-car pileup just in front of them. And the time in which they figured out if they'd have left when they thought they should have left, they would have been involved in that accident. Maybe, just maybe, that problem is there for your protection and you just don't know it. Maybe the job you didn't get, even though you were qualified, maybe God was protecting you from the layoffs that were going to happen in six months. Maybe that breakup, the one that broke your heart, maybe God was protecting you. And you won't be able to grasp that until you find the love of your life. Give it some time. God is good. And sometimes it's so much clearer when you look in the rearview mirror than it is when you're looking out the windshield. But God is always, always protecting you. The second perspective is this. Remember that before you ever have a problem, God has a plan. When did God decide to bring his people out of Egypt? Was it after Pharaoh had been abusing them all this time? Was it Was it when Moses was born? Was it at the burning bush when he calls Moses to do this? No, it wasn't even in the book of Exodus. 
It's way back in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, when he says, the Lord said to Abram, ancestors, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they'll be oppressed as slaves for 400 years, but I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end, they will come away with great wealth. 220 years before they ever stepped foot into Egypt, 620 years before he ever delivered them, he said, this is the plan, and I'm going to protect you during that time. And when I bring you out, you're going to be greater and stronger and wealthier than you've ever been. Before you ever have a problem, God already has a plan. I heard a pastor tell a story about one of his, um, one of his uh, members, um, Dan and Nancy Pratt. And they had an adult son, Bill, who was um, mentally challenged. But Bill was very effective, had a great job at a grocery store, bagging, sacking groceries, and um, always said hello to folks. People just loved him and loved what he was doing. And so Dan and Nancy decided they wanted to go to Hawaii to celebrate their 40th wedding anniversary. And so by doing so, Bill was going to have to travel from San Antonio to Atlanta to stay with his brother, but he was going to have to travel by himself. And they were so worried about him traveling, being able to understand, comprehend all these things. So they, they walked him through the steps for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks till it finally got up to the day of it. And they were so nervous. So Dan takes Bill to the airport and he actually acquired one of the special passes that you need to go through security and walk him all the way to the gate. And so when he got him to the gate, even though he's so nervous, when they get to the gate, two ladies call out, hey, Bill. And he said, Bill, how do you know them? He said, oh, they come to the grocery store. As soon as they said, Bill, another guy across the way in a seat said, hey, Bill, who's watching the store today? Dan said, by the time that he got on the plane, six other people from the store, nine total, knew Bill, and one of them said, hey, I'll volunteer. I'm going to Atlanta. We're all on this flight. I'll just make sure I walk him over, and I'll help him get to his brother. When Dan got home, told Nancy she was obviously emotional, and what she said was, she was reminded of this passage, Isaiah 65, verse 24. I will answer them before they even call to me, and while they're still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. The reason you don't have to fear the future and you can trust God with your future is because he's already there. One of the names of God in the Bible that he chose to make sure you and I knew is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. He was there with you in your past. He's with you right now. And he is already, because he is not bound by time, or space, or limit, or anything else. He's already in the future waiting for you to get there, preparing the way. You don't have to fear the future because the Lord is there. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here in this room and you say, Pastor, I am, I have been dealing with something for so long that it's just weighing on me. I'm worried, about, I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about my children. I'm worried about my parents. 
I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about my health. And it just seems to consume me. And I find myself over and over again worrying about the future. And I just need to grab hold of the promise that the good shepherd is protecting me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand really, really high? Oh, you're not alone. Their hands all over the room. Come on, really high. Keep them up for just a moment. Amen. Amen. You can put them down. Can I tell you something? Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there, is also here right now. And in this very moment, he wants to give you the peace and the freedom and, and faith for the future that you need more than anything else. Heavenly Father, in these next few moments, as we worship and we pray together, I pray that you would anoint our prayer team to pray prayers of faith. I pray you anoint those folks to have bold faith that raise their hands and they come forward and say, I just need to give this to Jesus today because I trust him as my good shepherd. And Lord, do as only you can do and do it for your glory, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me, please. We're gonna worship together in song. Our prayer team is coming. They're gonna be right around front here. And as we worship together, I'm gonna invite you. If you raised your hand, you have a need, I'm gonna invite you to come down and ask someone to pray with you. And we're gonna believe that the prayer of faith is gonna meet you at your point of need. Let's worship and pray together right now. Because of what he's done, we can sing. I am blessed. 
confess this together with me. Would you just say with me, without him, I am nothing. But with him, I have everything I need. Now give him praise if you really believe that in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen. Some of you are going to wake up in the morning and the enemy is going to try to speak into your mind and say, nothing has changed. You protect your mind with the word of God and stand on what he has done today. Amen. Don't allow the enemy to get a foothold in you. I believe God's going to do some great things. And I believe today is just the beginning of some things that he wants to do in your life. Believe in that with all that I am. Hey, listen, this is Outreach October, and man, you guys are so, so good about what you give to Outreach and what you give to ministries here, but also how you serve in the community. And uh, one of our partners is here today, one of our great partners we've had for a long time, out these center doors in the atrium, Must Ministries is here. They are fantastic. They feed the uh, folks that are hungry and um, house the homeless. They've had such an active uh, part in this community, and we are just privileged to be able to sponsor with them and partner with them for all of these years. You can find out some more information about them. Uh, just stop by their booth. Um, they've got set up in the atrium. Or on your way out in the lobbies, uh, just grab a brochure. You'll find out all the areas that because of the way you serve and you give that we're able to partner. And then don't forget, this Saturday is our final serve day in Outreach October. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. You can find out information in the lobbies about that as well. Allow me the privilege before you go to bless you according to Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great day.